0: Is
1: real power in your name with our way. We trust in your ways, we need Jesus.
0: We all have a responsibility to Ask the Spirit of God to search our hearts and to search our motives in our decision-making. One of the things that I've seen in my own life is that oftentimes when the heart wants what the heart wants, we will find any way we can to justify doing what we want to do. We we have this way, like, this is what I want to do, and I'm going to make a reason that this is the right thing to do.
1: Sometimes people are so focused on getting what they want that they're willing to do anything to get it. They don't care about the cost or who they hurt in the process. This is exactly what plays out in the lives of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. They were so set on fulfilling their desires that they didn't care who they took out in the process. But as Pastor Daniel shares today, God wants you to live with wisdom, counting the cost of your choices. Now here's Pastor Daniel in 1 Kings chapter 21 as he begins his message, The Great Miscalculation.
0: There's nothing worse than when you miscalculate something, right? Because sometimes when you when you miscalculate something, everybody in time knows what a total wreck it was. I think a, a number of years ago, I'll never forget it when in the NBA draft when LeBron James was in that draft and a number of other players were in that draft. And I I remember that uh, the second pick was the Detroit Pistons. And they took who ended up probably being one of the biggest busts in NBA draft history. Uh, They took a guy named uh, Darko Milich. And uh, in the the midst of it all, so many guys were great in that draft. But the number two pick, he just never really panned out. Or I remember uh, for the what's now the Las Vegas Raiders that they took with the number one pick in the draft a number of years back, a guy named Jamarcus Russell. He was the consensus number one pick and just didn't work out well. Sometimes, when you're looking at a situation, you just miscalculate it. We've all made those mistakes, right? We all, when you think, man, this situation where I just miscalculated everything, I got it wrong. Now, a lot of times, in our miscalculations, we just make you know, we don't, it's not because we're selfish or, or bad. Sometimes we just get some things wrong. And, and unfortunately, because uh, none of us know all things as the Lord does, because none of us has uh, you know, been able to see it in the future and understand everything, um, nobody gets everything right. So mistakes happen. But there are other times when our miscalculations come because we're being selfish, greedy, and just straight up sinful. And when that happens, obviously, we could have made different decisions, but we chose not to. I know for me in my own life, I didn't really begin walking with the Lord. I didn't know the Lord until I was uh, in my early 20s. And I had made a lot of really dumb decisions along the way. And I remember I was, I was just talking to my kids about this recently, you know, before I came to know the Lord, I, I spent a lot of time uh, doing drugs and different things. And, and I remember talking to my kids and they're like, well, you know, dad, do you think you'll ever get cancer? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I, I hope not. I'm like, but if I do, it was probably my fault because I did a lot of things to my lungs that I shouldn't have done. And I remember my kids looking at me and I'm just like, hey, listen, you know, like sin has consequences. Like I wish I could go back and redo those things. I can't. I pray for God's grace on them. I know I've received his grace. But sometimes when we do, when we're living in a way that is rebellious against God, we can't even trust our ability to do calculations. And in a lot of ways for all of us, we we would love to say that all of our miscalculations, like, like, Choosing the wrong guy in an NBA draft or an NFL draft, that's one thing. Everyone's looking at uh, college players and, and saying, how are they going to do it at the next level? And there is some guesswork in that. But there are other times when our miscalculations are actually founded in rebellion against God. And those are things that we have control over. Now, the reason I bring this up is because we've been looking in this series that we're calling Crisis. And we're looking at the, the life of the prophet Elijah, Right And within the the life of the prophet Elijah, the real struggle for the children of Israel is that they have this king, King Ahab and his wife Jezebel, who are a strong influence that are pulling people away from worshiping the true and living God. And the whole society has the impact of this evil influence. And today we're going to look at a passage of scripture where we really see that Ahab and Jezebel make an enormous miscalculation. Just a huge miscalculation that has catastrophic consequences for them. So in order to get at this, I want you to open up in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 21. 1 Kings chapter 21. So if you're opening up your favorite Bible app, you open up the Crossroads mobile app, type in 1 Kings Twenty-one. If you're uh, looking for it in an actual Bible, I still love reading the the actual Bible. I love Kindle books and e-books and I use all that stuff. But I, there's something about me reading scriptures in the Bible. It's the way I've always done it. And so it's easy to find 1 Kings 21 because 1 Kings sits in between uh, 2 Samuel and 2 Kings. And so, of course, in chapter 21... It's after chapter 20. It's very easy to find there. you know. And, and it's just a great reminder as we're going to be looking at this that we all have a responsibility to ask the Spirit of God to search our hearts and to search our motives in our decision-making. One of the things that I, I've seen in my own life is that oftentimes when the heart wants what the heart wants, we will find any way we can to justify doing what we want to do. We have this way, like this is what I want to do, and I'm going to make a reason that this is the right thing to do. And in a lot of ways, that's exactly what we're going to see going on here in First Kings 21. And we want to make sure that we do not make the same mistake that King Ahab makes. And so Picking up 1 Kings 21, I'm going to read a pretty long section. I'm going to read about 16 verses. So I would love you to be able to read along. Don't check out because a lot of things go on here. So this is what it says. 1 Kings 21 verse 1 says, And it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel next to the palace of Ahab king of Samaria. So Ahab spoke to Naboth and and saying, give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden because it is near next to my house and for it I will give you a vineyard better than it. Or if it seems good to you, I will give you its worth in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. So Ahab went into his house, sullen, displeased, because of the word which Naboth, the Jezreelite, had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down in his bed, and he turned away his face, and he would not eat. Verse 5. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said to him, Why is your spirit so sullen that you eat no food? And he said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth, the Jezreelite, And said to him, give me your vineyard for money or else if it pleases you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. Then Jezebel, his wife, said to him, you now exercise authority over Israel. Arise, eat food and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. And she wrote letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with a seal, and sent the letters to the elders and the nobles who were dwelling in the city with Naboth. And she wrote in the letters, saying, verse 9, Proclaim a fast and seat Naboth with high honor among the people, and seat two men scoundrels before him to bear witness against him, saying, You have blasphemed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him that he may die. Verse 11 So the men of the city and the elders and nobles who were inhabitants of his city did as Jezebel had sent to them, as it is written in the letters which she had sent to them. And they proclaimed a fast and seated Naboth with high honor among the people. And two men scoundrels came in and sat down before him. And the scoundrels witnessed against him, against Naboth in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth has blasphemed God and the king. Then they took him outside the city And they stoned him with stones so that he died. Then they sent to Jezebel saying, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. And it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money, for Naboth is not alive, but dead. So it was, when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab got up and went down to take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. Now, you see what a mess this is, right? Like, like this, this whole story is, is so sad, but, but really there's a reason this happened. And it's the great miscalculation of the life of King Ahab. And it's simply this. What you have to realize is that the flesh is never satisfied, The flesh is never satisfied. It never gets all that it wants. And we see this playing out in the life of Ahab. Because Ahab, he's the king of Israel. He has got multiple houses. He's got where he lives in Samaria. He's got summer houses, beach houses. He's got the whole thing going on. right? And he's looking in Jezreel and next to where he's living there is this vineyard of this man named Naboth. And as Ahab is looking at it. he's like, that would make an awesome vegetable garden. I want that, right? And so he goes to Naboth and, and he says, hey, listen, your land is right next to my palace. I would love to put a beautiful vegetable garden there. So listen, let me buy it from you. I'll give you money for it, whatever much you want, or I'll give you a better vineyard. Just let me have that one. And, and Naboth says, no, he says, "This was given to my family, and, and it's wrong for me to give you the inheritance that's from my fathers. It's for my family." So the answer's no. And Ahab goes home, and he's stolen. He's bummed out. He, he's like a spoiled kid who did not get ice cream for breakfast. It's like, you ever have that with your kids? Maybe some of us are like that as we get older, right? Like, I just want ice cream for breakfast. You can't have ice cream. I'm never going to eat again. Why You might have ice cream for dinner. Like, why does that have to be for breakfast? But we get like that. We want what we want. We don't get it. We're like Tweety Bird on the back of the, of the Jeeps. You know, where they got their hands on their waist and they are got their furrowed brow. and They're real mad about it, right? And so, so he's all mad about it. He lays on his bed. He won't eat. And then, and then of course, Jezebel shows up, his wife, Right? He's like, she's like, what's wrong with you? Why are you not eating? You know, it's kind of like an Italian mom here, like, what you eat? Like, why aren't you eating? Right? And then he explains right. I wanted Nabal's vineyard. I want to put a vegetable garden there. And he said, No. And then she's like, You're the king. You can do whatever you want. You know? And and sure enough, she devises her plan. Her plan, declare a fast, give Nabal the seat of honor. Put two liars, two scoundrels next to him and say that he blasphemed God and blasphemed the king, then kill him. And then, and she doesn't tell the people that, but ultimately it's so Naboth can get his vineyard. You know, and sure enough, the whole scene plays on out and Naboth gets killed. You know, Jezebel's like, go ahead, take the vineyard. And the king's happy. He doesn't even ask why, right? He just wants what he wants. But here's the deal. All this happened because Ahab broke the simple sin in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not covet. He looked at Naboth's land. He thought this would make a great vegetable garden. Now, here's what you got to ask yourself. Is a vegetable garden worth the life of Naboth? And when you ask it, when you put it in those terms, it's kind of like, well, definitely not. It's definitely not worth the life of Naboth. But because the flesh is never satisfied, Flesh wants what it wants. And of course, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 20 tells us that hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. Now, listen, can we just like level, like get real about this for a second? Listen, we're all the same. You and I are if we're in the flesh, we're never going to be satisfied. You'll, it'll never be enough. You know, they as John D. Rockefeller, who one of the earliest multi-billion, he was like the early, uh, you know, Jeff Bezos or, or, or Warren Buffett or Bill Gates. How much more money do is just, just a little bit more? Listen, if we're thinking things in the flesh, it's never satisfied. Even though Ahab and Jezebel had more land More material things, still not satisfied. He was sad he couldn't have the vegetable garden where he wanted. He could have had a vegetable garden. I mean, he was living in a palace. He could have taken a part of his palace, made a beautiful vegetable garden. But he needed Naboth's. And listen, our entire culture runs on this premise. Our economy runs on it where we are constantly advertised to, this is going to make you happy. Unless you have this, you are not going to be happy, right? And all the commercials, you know, are always geared that way. It's like, you know, you feel like life is mundane. The first scene is there, there's, you know, a man and a woman, they're sitting in, you know, a nice little compact car and they're going to work and they're sitting in traffic and they're bored, right? And then it cuts to the, to the SUV and, and the SUV is, is the windows are down and the, and the wind is going through their hair and they're laughing and they're off-roading, even though, you know, really they live in an environment where there's no mountains. But if you buy this SUV, we're going to, we're going to free you from mundane traffic hell, you know, or, 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 or they tell you, listen, you know, your life is boring, but if you drink this beer, all the cool people are going to be, want to be around you. I'm here to tell you it's not true. People don't hang out with you for your beer, or for your not. And if those are, if people do, then you have bigger problems than the beer you're drinking. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's like we're constantly told that like this is what you need. You need to take the next step. You need to do the next thing. And in a lot of ways, in the flesh, then we begin to covet. We're, we're never satisfied, and so much about what God wants for our lives. It's for us to not live in the flesh, but in the spirit. And in the spirit, we are satisfied because Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. And we find our satisfaction in the Lord. And then we can enjoy different things in our life, but we don't find ourselves consumed with them. See, that's why in a lot of ways, the Bible invites us, and Jesus, as we, as we follow him, invites us into a life of generosity, because without it, our whole life is, this is what I want. This is me getting. And we think, I'll be blessed when I receive, and Jesus says, no, no, you're more blessed to give than receive. So Jesus turns the table, and he says, look, the world that you live in is upside down, I'm going to teach you how to live right side up. So you give. And what you find is you find great joy in giving, and then you get to enjoy things around you, but you don't need any of it because you have everything that you need. And for a lot of us, we are making the same miscalculation that Ahab and Jezebel are making. One is that it's okay to want whatever you want, and it's okay to get whatever you want by whatever means necessary. You know, and it can be heartbreaking because sometimes you you hear these stories about Christian business people who are who are using attack tactics to get the things that they want. You know, and there's nothing more beautiful when you watch somebody who who is running an amazing business and they're actually doing it with integrity and, and they're living differently and 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 they're saying, look, it's not about just having the thickest bottom line possible. It's about I know that I'm going to be profitable and God's going to be honored, but I'm going to do things right. I'm not going to cut corners. You know, and I'm here to tell you, you know, the rat race is still alive and well. You know, many people, we we live in a day and age today, many people want to look rich. But they're really, they have a lot of stuff and they're weighed down in debt. You know, there's still so much of the, I'm going to keep up with the Joneses. And, And I think when we... Put our faith and trust in Jesus. Like I always like to say, you know, quoting that controversial American theologian, Madonna, that we're living in a material world. And she said, I'm a material girl. You know, it's like we all live in this world and there are things that we can enjoy. But the key for us is to always remember that when we're in the flesh, the flesh will never be satisfied. But if you're in the spirit, then as you're in the spirit, you are fulfilled in Jesus. And then in the ways that we live in this material world, we put things in the right place because Ahab was not going to be content. And look at what they did to get it. I mean, this man, this honorable man who wants to honor his family by not selling their inheritance now loses his life over a vegetable garden. You know, and maybe your struggle is not that you end up getting people killed for what you're doing. Maybe it's way less, but either way, it's still sin. And God invites us to to look at things differently because of our faith in Jesus. Now, look at what happens from here. So in in 1 Kings 21, and then picking up in verse 17, let's know what happens next. Because don't miss the fact, there's somebody who knows what just happened. And it's not just Jezebel. Look at what happens, verse 17. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, the Tithbite, saying, Arise and go down and meet Ahab, king of Israel, who lives in Samaria. There he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone down to take possession of it. You shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord. Have you murdered and also taken possession? And you shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord. In the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick the your blood, even yours. So Ahab said to Elijah, have you found me, O my enemy? And he said, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Verse 21, behold, I will bring calamity on you and I will take away your posterity and I will cut off from Ahab every male in Israel, both bond and free. And I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, And like the house of Basha, the son of Ahijah, because of the provocation with which you have provoked me to anger and made Israel sin. And concerning Jezebel, the Lord also spoke, saying, the dog shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. The dog shall eat whoever belongs to Ahab and dies in the city, and the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field." You know what the big mistake that Ahab and Jezebel make and Elijah is helping them realize it is that they did not properly count the cost. And you and I need to learn how to properly count the cost. See, Jezebel mistakenly believed that because her husband was the king, he could do whatever he wants. That she could, because of her powerful position, she could send these letters to the Noble people are the leaders of the city setting up Naboth and that no one was going to know what the plan was, why this was happening. And because she was the queen, they just had to do it and they did it. But no, listen, the Lord knew exactly what was going on and the Lord talked to his prophet and said, I want you to go meet Ahab because Ahab has offended me. See, what we all have to remember is that we are so busy trying to mitigate or make sure that the sins we commit don't hurt people, but we have to remember that truly when we sin, the first person we sin against is the Lord himself. We sin against God, and then the impact hits people. And that's why the Apostle Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, for Ahab and Jezebel, Jezebel just wanted her husband to be happy and not be grumpy over the vegetable garden. And Ahab just wanted Naboth's vineyard, right? And so they didn't properly count the cost of what they were doing because they sinned against God and God was offended. God knew what happened. Now, can we just, just like plain talk here for a second? My friends, listen. When was the last time you came to the Lord and apologized for the ways that our rebellion against God has impacted negatively our relationship with God? See, I think very much our culture is, uh, it's only wrong if you get caught kind of a culture. Like people will apologize when they get busted, but they won't repent before they get busted because they realize that they've offended God first. See, we're we're so busy fearing people. We're so busy wanting to protect our reputations that God, because we need to live upward first, God wants us to to realize that every sin we commit on this earth, we really offend God first. And this is exactly why God sent Jesus in the first place because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God.
1: Jesus is... When you mess up, there's a good chance you'll be concerned with how that affects the people in your life and how you'll need to make it right with them. But today, Pastor Daniel explained that the fact that you hurt people is a result of how you first sinned against God. That's why God sent Jesus to repair the relationship that your choices destroyed. Jesus came to restore that upward connection and make crooked things straight. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here, Thanks so much for tuning in today. It's such
0: an amazing honor to share God's Word, and I love seeing how God is working through this ministry. Would you partner with us? I'd love for you to join us in sharing the message that Jesus is Real by being a prayer partner or financial supporter. Find out more by visiting our website, JesusIsRealRadio.com.
1: Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share that God counts the cost even when you don't. You'll learn that he is patient, but... Eventually, the consequences of your choices will catch up to you. You'll see this in the lives of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, when Elijah tells them that things won't end well for them. However, you'll also notice God's heart of mercy when there's a sincere, repentant response to sinful choices. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Crisis. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.